We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Don Metter, the 2010 FFPC main event champion and winner of more than $100,000 in his high stakes career. In this episode, we discuss why he avoided underperforming first-rounders this year, the future of running backs in fantasy football, and how he has once again managed one of his teams to the brink of the top 10 overall in the 2017 FFPC main event. Also to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champion David Hubbard, the winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest, along with his co-manager Nelson Sousa. Hubbard breaks down how his waiver bids went after week one who he targeted this week on the wire, and how he is treating T.Y. Hilton sans Andrew Luck. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. 
Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, David Hubbard. Dave, the uh, first big waiver run of the season took place last Wednesday after uh, after week one. Uh, tell us how your day, because I know you've told us before that you and Nelson are usually constantly on the phone the entire day on a waiver day. Tell us how that day went, what players you ended up getting uh, in a lot of your leagues. Yeah, it's a nightmare as usual with this many teams trying to get all the waiver work done and like we said before, it starts like on Sunday and it's a constant progression all the way to Wednesday night at nine. And then we're scrambling at the last minute to adjust bids and decide if that's actually what we want to do on any particular week. But last week we got a little Andre Ellington. We got some Buck Allen. I'm trying to remember Paul Richardson a little bit where he was available and uh, Marcus Wheaton, some speculating what he looks like when he comes back. Uh, picked up Josh Gordon a few times to see if uh, what the NFL decides on that deal, and which is coming up shortly. They're going to make a decision on that, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, but that's know, pretty much uh, that's pretty much who we targeted and who we got. You uh, you you always want to be ahead of the curve, especially at at this level of competition. I think you have to be. I felt better about my Ellington bids when I found out that you and Nelson uh, were actually going after him. So that made me feel good about my bids that that I got him in a few leagues. Yeah, but I hope it works out. We'll see. He uh, he he he's going to be an interesting guy, depending on how uh, that team's a mess. But um, I think he has the most upside out of any of those backs, so that's why he was on my radar. Yeah, definitely a guy that they had moved temporarily, at least uh, to receiver in the preseason, moved him back to running back. So you know he's got the pass catching uh, chops. We we talked with or I talked with Nelson on on the show last week, and I said how typically or historically when you guys have worked together, you typically are much more aggressive with your waiver bidding earlier in the season where he's a little bit more reserved. And he actually said, well, this year it seemed to flip-flop where you almost were a little bit more conservative and he wanted to spend uh, the dough on the free agents. Whose philosophy won out last week? Are you guys more aggressive or more conservative by and large? It was kind of a mixture. We spent some money on some guys and we saved some money on some guys, I think. I think we did a good job as far as that goes because historically I've been really horrible on the waiver wire. If I see a guy I want early, I'll just spend my spend a bunch of fab money and a lot of times I overbid so we've worked on getting better in that we and it's hit or miss some guys will complain oh they got that guy by by a buck well we've also lost people by a buck many times so it works both ways and um, historically I've been more aggressive but yeah the first week Nelson wanted to fire some money on a lot of guys and and we did fire some money and then there was one guy that I wanted to fire a little more money on and we fired money on him so it was kind of a give and take the first week and uh, worked out well uh, a couple of big injuries, well, more than a couple of big injuries this week, but the two significant ones I want to talk about, Greg Olson goes down for Carolina, uh, and uh, for Green Bay, you have Jordy Nelson now being uh, mentioned as a game-time decision for a late game on Sunday, as well as Randall Cobb getting an MRI done on his shoulder today. Now, we probably won't know the results of that, at least we don't know the results on the MRI as of yet uh, at the time of this recording with, with Cobb. Now, it sounds like he's probably going to be okay it sounds like nelson is you know dodged a bullet but again by the time the waiver goes off uh this week we we will not have the necessary information to make an informed decision about the packers receiving core so geronimo allison is out there in a lot of leagues who stands to gain more this week allison stepping up for potentially nelson and cobb or devin funches who actually got a few more targets after olson went down this past weekend allison's an interesting guy it's funny you mentioned him I was thinking about him today. Uh, he could definitely – Rodgers uh, likes that kid. He, well, every time he's in the game, I mean, he targets him. So, Allison is a, definitely an interesting guy. Funches 
has the opportunity to do more now that uh, Olsen's on the shelf. And injuries are a funny thing. They work against you and work for you in fantasy. Uh, uh, Olsen and Jordy are two guys we don't own at all. Out of all the teams we drafted, we own them zero times. And then last week, Allen Robinson, we got felt like we were getting a gift on him in the fifth round. Well, it wasn't much of a gift because he, he lasted one play. So injuries are a funny thing in fantasy. So they can work for you and work against you. David Johnson. Uh, we were happy to have a lot of shares of David Johnson. Well, that didn't work out so well. That's why I kind of laugh every time these guys get on the message board and complain about, hey, I didn't get the first pick or I wasn't in the front end of the draft. Well, that might be a blessing in any given year. you got to take it with a grain of salt. And uh, and uh, if you got the first pick now and you had one team and you drafted David Johnson, well, you're fighting uphill battle all, all year, where if you got the back end and you, and you drafted decently, you might have a shot to win the league. So. It's yes, a give and take. It's all about, um, you know, trying to maximize your potential. And, and certainly it looked at the start of the season like you wanted the number one pick to get David Johnson. But I think that you're going to see a lot of teams who didn't have the number one at the top of many leaderboards uh, right now. Final question for you, uh, David. We, we want to talk some Colts here. Andrew Luck already been ruled out uh, week three this this early in the season or excuse me, this early in the week, is it does probably not bode well for him for the next couple of weeks. But as we look at this Colts offense and how this luck injury ends up affecting everybody, T.Y. Hilton obviously comes to mind since he was the highest drafted Colt, according to ADP in the FFPC. Uh, T.Y. Hilton usually going third, fourth round, somewhere around there. What's your best guess for, and I don't even know, maybe you don't own a lot of T.Y. Hilton, but what's the best guess for the teams that you do own Hilton on uh, as far as a percentage goes? How many of those teams are you going to be uh, firing up T.Y. Hilton with Jacoby Brissett throwing to him again this week? It was kind of funny. Uh, I figured Luck would be uh, – the Colts would play uh, safe with him and it would probably not be six be six weeks before he plays. And I'll be surprised if he doesn't play. I think he will play this season. But they're, they're being ultra-cautious with him, which they should be. We It's funny. We didn't we, uh, we were going to fade the Colts altogether, actually, this drafting season. And then uh, T.Y. Hilton started going in the middle of the fourth round. And so we do have a few shares of T.Y. Hilton. And uh, Joe Kobe Brissett is an interesting guy with Hilton. He has a, a stronger arm. So I don't feel, uh, this this week especially, I don't feel uh, any caution with throwing T.Y. in a lineup. I'm sure T.Y. will be in some of the lineups that we own. Now, if we have some significantly better options, of course, we, we'll bench him. But, but uh, uh, T.Y. will definitely be in some of our lineups this week. I'm not afraid of him at all this week. Yeah, don't be afraid of the guy you drafted early. So certainly uh, T.Y. Hilton uh, is a guy that, uh, before you bench him, think long and hard about what you're doing. Uh, we will think long sure. and hard about uh, everything you told us uh, this week, David. I certainly appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Good luck to you, man, uh, not only in the waiver wire this week, but in week three in general. Thanks, Bucky. I enjoyed talking with you again. Thanks to David Hubbard for his input this week. Now here's 2010 FFPC main event champion Don Metter giving us the high-stakes lowdown. Don, when you are not playing high-stakes fantasy football, tell the listeners what you do for a living. I, uh, for the last 24 years thereabouts, I've been a financial advisor at a uh, big Wall Street firm. And it's always important that a, as a financial advisor to know when to buy low, sell high, get the <laughs> best value, and certainly skills that you can put to use uh, at the fantasy football draft table as well as the waiver wire, right? Absolutely. Drafting for me, drafting, especially uh, the whole value situation is uh, it is very important way of thinking. I, uh, I, I well, OK, first of all, you are off to a great start. We're only, you know, two weeks into the season. 
Uh, but I do want to talk about this team that you have in the top 15 of the FFPC main event. Out of 1,440 teams, you're currently in 13th place. When you look back on this specific draft, Don, how well did things fall into place for this draft? Where I mean, did they go according to plan? Were there any curveballs? Or, or when you looked at this team when you are done, you're like, you know what, this is a strong squad. I will go to battle with this squad. Well, first thing, you know, I never go in with a strategy. I know a lot of guys I talk to, they'll sit there and say, in the second round I'm going to get this guy or this position, and then in the third I'll follow it up with that. I don't do that because I'm with 11 over 11, 11 other owners, and who knows who they like. They might take a guy early. I learned a long time ago, uh, if you like a guy, take him. So a lot of guys might move sooner, later, you never know. So I really draft, as I answered initially, uh, it's all value-based. And um, I look at the board. If I see value at a certain spot, I've been known in the past to take four running backs out of my first four picks. And other times I don't draft one to the seventh. It's just how the value of the board lies. But to answer your last part of that question, yeah, when I got done and I looked at that board, I said, you know, we always use those two words, barring injury. But um, I just thought it was a strong, strong team, top to bottom, a lot of flexibility. You know, um, I uh, I have to ask you, too, when you say that you're looking at val- strictly value um, when you go into it, when you know where you're drafting in the first round, do you have a general idea of a player or two that, that you're targeting there? Or is it simply like you really don't know exactly what what you're going to come up with um, until you're on the clock? No, you know, I'm I'm pretty the first pick is usually, you know, this year was easy because I picked two. And then in the other league, I picked five. So it was pretty easy. You kind of knew the consensus top five or six. It gets a little more involved when you're down at 11 or 12 because you really don't know what will fall to you. And especially this year with the whole Ezekiel Elliott situation last year, I think it was Le'Veon Bell. You know, there's always some curveballs that are thrown in there. But generally the first round, I'm pretty decent. And I will tell you, the thing that helps me a lot is I'll do a lot of the $35 satellite leagues um, as, as the preseason progresses. And that's really where I do the lion's share of my homework these days. And, uh, and that's how I do it. One of uh, one of your early round picks in this main event uh, draft, Todd Gurley, was was a big first round bust for a lot of people last year, and uh, myself included. I was a little skittish on drafting him early again this year. Yet you take him early on in your draft this year, and he seems to be bouncing back in 2017. Tell us why you were a believer in Todd Gurley this season. Well, first of all, it's funny you bring that question up because. As I sat looking at the draft board, and I can't remember who the player was that went right before it. It might have been Travis Kelsey, who, was, who I was going to take. And, again, I looked at the draft board, and Kelsey was gone, and I knew the receivers I wanted would be there. And I kind of took a giant sigh, and I just you know, kind of let it out, and I went running back Todd Gurley. And everyone on my side of the table just started laughing because it was the, the, the worst endorsement of a pick you could ever find. But – the answer on why I took him and why I liked him really didn't have to do so much with being a believer in Todd Gurley. It was more being a believer in the ineptitude of Jeff Fisher. And I thought you have a young new coach, vibrant, 30 some years old, um, knows the game, knows the nuances, the new style of the game. It's not three yards in a cloud of dust. Let's see what he can do with this obvious talent. And so far here, they put him in space. They do all these things with him. It looks like he's revitalized, and I think a lot of that has to do with coaching. 
Yeah, talent is definitely taking over here, and perhaps he just needed the right uh, general to uh, to make sure that his talents are being uh, put to use properly. One of the guys, you know, as, as I was doing this show and I was doing some high-stakes fantasy football shows uh, throughout the summer, um, especially when we got to late summer, Jamison Crowder was a, a name that kept coming up over and over again as a player that a lot of high-stakes players liked, and he was moving up, as you can probably tell from doing those $35 draft experts. He, he started moving up in, in mid to late August, uh, a round or two, and his stats so far this season, again, small sample size, we're, we're only two weeks in, his stats have not backed up that rise up draft boards. How concerned are you about Jamison Crowder on this this 13th place main event team that you have right now, and Jamison Crowder in general, really? You know, in general, um, I am concerned. And, and I will tell you, I drafted him because of a blurb I read. I pay attention to coach speak. And, you know, when I read uh, Gruden say back in July, we need to get him the ball. He's on the field all the time. We need to We need to focus him. They lost their two receivers the first time ever in the NFL that, they, that a team lost 2,000-yard receivers. I thought to myself, here's a chain mover. This will be seven to eight carry or seven to eight touches a game. So far, it hasn't happened. I'll give him a break. Week one, he had a bad hip, was on an injury report all week. Last week, they ran for about 240 yards. So obviously, you know, maybe he's more of a game plan dependent guy. Um, and if that's the case, so be it. I mean, I drafted him in the fifth round. I thought it was fair value where I got him. And I think his numbers will still be there at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, he'll be more of a matchup driven guy, I think, than anything else. Well, Mark Ingram is a guy who is also on this squad for you, Don. I want you to look into your crystal ball here. Tell me what you see as far as the rest of the season goes, not only for Ingram, but his uh, backfield mates in New Orleans, Alvin Kamara and Adrian Peterson. Bulky, there are some things in life that make you just scratch your head, and the Saints signing of Adrian Peterson is one of it. He obviously does not does not fit that system. He doesn't fit that coach. He doesn't fit anything about that team. Um, so he never really concerned me too much. Um, Alvin Kamara being a rookie, you know, here, Mark Ingram at the end of the year, they've thrown other guys at him. They've had Darren Sproles. He's shown that he can coexist in a backfield with two players. Did it with Reggie Bush. Did it with uh, with with um, uh, Darren Sproles. So I think his numbers, again, at the end will be there. They need to just be able to play a little defense here to keep that offense on the field. You know, you knew this weekend was going to be a shootout. I didn't expect much out of him. But I figured coming from behind, maybe he'll have seven or eight catches. You know, here, who knows? It's it, it, You're right. It's crystal ball stuff. Kamara and him, I think, will coexist, and I think Peterson will just kind of fade away. Let me ask you this, too, because I think this is piggybacks on that on that uh, point there. If I was to ask you what the percentage chance is of Adrian Peterson being uh, wearing a Saints uniform at the end of the season uh, or you know, being cut or traded or on another team, what's the percentage chance that he ends this season as a Saint? I think it's probably 25%, and wow. I could see them – I, my opinion, I could see them spinning it in such a way the team is going nowhere. We're going to let him maybe sign on somewhere else, uh, so on and so forth, and so forth, and cut him adrift. Let's uh, let's get back to your specific your roster that's in the top fifteen right now. And I could have been wrong, but when I glanced at it before, I didn't see that you had made any changes to this roster. Now maybe you snuck a. You know, uh, nope, nope. You are no right. Change? I did not okay. make a change. None. So no changes to this roster yet. I'm curious. Has there just not been a free agent in this league that you think 
has been worth what he's gone for in the blind bidding? Uh, or are you purposefully saving this blind budget for bigger name free agents uh, as the season unfolds? Um, you know, here, you go out, you see these drafts, you know, daily. There's very little get, that, that gets by owners these days. And you, guys are drafting the second and the third and the fourth back up to a particular position. Even when I was in Vegas, there were a couple guys that got drafted. I had to lean over to the guy next to me and go, who is that guy? I don't even know. Who he, I swear, honest to God. I'm like, they're like, oh, that's the backup to the backup. So honestly, um, I kind of try and save my money for bye weeks when injuries start to happen. That's what I think is important to use those dollars because, you know, you get into that, the dog days of that season when you have six teams off and you're short a running back and a wide receiver or, you know, you have a guy that's questionable. I like to be able to know that I'm going to fill in the rosters with guys. Unless, of course, here, last week we all know that, that Eddie Lacy can't push himself away from the buffet table. We know that Thomas Rawls is what he is. He's an injury-prone guy. If Chris Carson was available, sure, I would have spent money on him because it would have made sense that that in my crystal ball would have said Pete Carroll would give this guy a chance. But, again, he was drafted in round 18 or something of my draft, and that's the way it goes. But, um, you know, so I like to use my money for, for bye weeks. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. You know, I getting back to the to the injury aspect and drafting these, you know, the backups to the backups, the guy behind the guy, essentially. Um, every year, it seems like this time of year, we hear people say, "Oh, I can't remember a year where there's been more name more injuries to big name players. I can't remember a year in fantasy where the injuries have been worse." And I've I haven't heard it a ton this year, but I have heard it again. Do you think as we enter week three of the NFL season, have the injuries been worse than they have the last few years? Obviously, you think of, you know, David Johnson and Greg Olson, Corey Coleman's another one, you know, more that I'm, I'm, I'm leaving out as well. But you think about the injuries that we've seen so far this year. Is this out of the ordinary or is this par for the course as far no, as? No, it's par for the course. It's par for the course. I mean, you know, this is week two. Uh, it's a violent sport. It's a physical game. It takes time. I mean, it, it's going to it's going to knock guys out. You just hope that uh, that you weather the storm well enough. You're right. Imagine if you drafted David Johnson and Allen Robinson and Corey Coleman. You'd be sitting there decimated. You're probably done, quite frankly. Your team's done three weeks into the season. So, no, every year there's bad injuries. Um, and, you know, that just gets exasperated by the fact that now you have so many. Now, I will say, I'll flip that a little bit. And so as much as you have injuries, the game has changed. When I started doing this in 2002, high stakes, 
the first round was all running backs because they were all bell cows. Now you have, what, four bell cows and everyone else is a part-time player. So I would argue that your talent pool of players has opened up a lot greater because a lot of teams you can play two running backs from that same team. You know, and you never really had that. You had one guy that ran the ball, and that was it. So, you know, again, it's it's roster management. Um, but, yeah, injuries will be there. They'll be there more. You're going to have concussion protocols. I mean, it's it's going to get more. It's more and more difficult as the game gets, as the players get more commoditized. Yeah, no, totally great point on that. I know, like, in I have David, or I had David Johnson in two leagues this year, and I think in one of them, I'm actually, like, you know, my optimal lineup now is, my two running backs are Mike Gillisley and James White, which honestly is, is not that great. But, I mean, it's, it's been working out so far because Gillisley's been getting in the end zone and James White keeps catching passes. But I think exactly you're right. Correct. When you're talking about, um, you know, this the, the evolution of, of how we draft players and how we attack the strategy, especially in high-stakes fantasy football, it has changed because the pool is deeper because players have become more specialized. Now, I think – we're we're on the cusp. I don't think we're there yet, uh, and I don't think we'll be there for another couple of years. But I think we're on the cusp of these NFL head coaches and, and GMs wanting to have one guy out there who can do it all. Because right now you have these you have these specialized players, and you kind of the defense kind of knows what is going to be happening on a specific play when this running back's back there. When this running back's back there, we know it's going to be a run. When this running back's back there, it's probably going to be a pat. You know what I mean? And I think that the, the more of a guessing game that you have um, when you when you can have a guy who, who can play all three downs, all of a sudden now you're back to the bell cow status, and now these guys that, you know, we're getting back to the old, um, you know, uh, Larry Johnson, Priest Holmes, Holmes days. That's uh, right. Or, uh, you know, um, uh, ben Tate, Arian Foster. I mean, that kind of thing. I don't think we're there yet, but I think the league might be actually shifting to go that way again. Well, yeah, when you think about it, I mean, Kareem Hunt, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Leonard Fournette, it seems, David Johnson, all these guys are three down backs, every one of them. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, as because teams will speak uh, where – you know, where the money goes and, and how they treat free agency, how they treat the NFL draft. That's a storyline that we'll be paying attention to definitely in the off season uh, over the next couple of years. Let's get back to fantasy. I want to talk about, um, you know, people always talk about uh, streaming players, quarterbacks, tight ends, whatever. Uh, what about defenses for you, Don? Are you a fan of, of picking guys off the way or defensive, defensive units off the waiver wire in plum matchups and trying to, to exploit them that week? Or are you more of a, I want like a top five, top six defense and try to roll with them every single week I can? Honestly, the way I pick defenses is very simple. I go to my schedule and obviously you're going to look at a team that gets to play the Bears or the Jets. Okay, so you're going to look at those divisions first, but... If I have a team that's off week nine or 10 and they're a decent defense, that's who I want. Because the last thing I want to think about during a season is should I pick up this defense because it might be a two-point or three-point differential in a given week. I don't even worry about it. I just want the furthest by week I have. I plug them in there every week, and I just don't worry about it. And that's generally the way I play them. We uh... – we are past draft season, so there's not going to be any more drafts. But uh, the waiver wire uh, in picking up these free agents is going to be crucial. Uh, that, along with the start-to-sit decisions, is, is going to decide who wins this $250,000 in the main event. So when it comes to blind bidding and, and, and getting these free agents off the waiver wire, Don, you, see, you obviously have, have seen what has happened in your league because you haven't picked up anybody yet 
uh, rolling with your original uh, drafted roster. You've seen what these teams are doing, not necessarily for this specifically, but what's one thing that high-stakes players, both you know, veteran high-stakes players, accomplished ones, and, and players that are new uh, to playing at this level of competition, what do you think, what's one thing they continue to get wrong when it comes to bidding on the waiver wire? Um, you know, I think early in the season you fall in love with guys and, you know, you spend $999 out of your thousand and you say, yeah, well, I'm covered everywhere else. You're covered until you're not. I mean, it's like I hear in business in, in my world. Yeah. Well, this bond is perfect unless this happens. And inevitably this always happens. So I think guys just budget wise, uh, they either blow their money way too fast. And by the way, I'm guilty of it. Either <laughs> blow your money way too fast or probably in my case, you know what? I think I'm going to take it with me into the next season. I mean, it's just, you know, spend your money, try and spend it wisely, pay attention to what the other teams have spent. I don't know how many times I've looked at, at a sheet and maybe the, a guy has, everyone in the league has $300 left and a guy goes and spends $700 on a player. I'm like, what are you doing? All you got to do is spend 301. It's like the old price is right. $1 <laughs> more, you get it, you know? Um, so, you know, it's the same thing. It's dollars. It's in an, it's an inexact science. There's no way around it. You know, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to be rock stars at some point. Um, and that's it. You know, there's a lot of luck involved to it. Uh, let's get back to your uh, biggest win, uh, at least I think your biggest win. Maybe you've had something bigger. But 20, 2010, uh, go back seven years to the FFPC main event. You end up winning that contest, uh, $75,000 grand prize back then. Uh, it's a little bit more now, so obviously a little bit more lucrative and, and best wishes to you to win it this year. But $75,000 back in 2010 was certainly awesome. And you won it, and this is something I bring up on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour all the time. You won it in Week 16 starting Dante Rosario as your tight end in a tight end premium league. Uh, tell us what you remember about that situation sort of unfolding those in that three-week championship sprint and, and really what you remember uh, what happened with so much on the line. I remember uh, using a button where you'd have to use the bleep button when I saw that uh, my tight end had gone out. I think, in fact, I can tell you, I had drafted Owen Daniels pretty early, maybe a fifth or a sixth-round selection, and he was doing really well for eight or nine or ten weeks, and then he got hurt. And I can't remember who my backup was, but um, I played him up until, like, week 12, and then he got hurt. And I remember one night, and I sat and I went through literally every roster looking for a tight end for the three-week stretch. And Dante Rosario was like the best choice because I knew he was going to, going to at least dress and play in the games. And um, uh, that's how I ended upon him. But, I mean, my season didn't start that way. I did, I did put a pretty lucrative price tag on uh, Owen Daniels to start, who just happened to get hurt. There was no way around it. Historically speaking, um, there's probably some people when they hear that and say, oh, I don't need to invest in a tight end in the FFPC. It's a gimmick. You know, I'll, I'll just load up on all the running backs and receivers that are going to fall to me here and I'll just pick up whatever tight end and plug them in. How, you know, that, that may not be necessarily how you feel, but how do you normally treat tight ends in the FFPC, Don? Knowing, I treat. Knowing, that you, want, knowing that you want 75 grand with, with Dante Rosario. Again. I treat tight ends the same way I do running backs, wide receivers, any other position. Uh, it's a premium spot. There's only X number of them. I have to play them. And since I don't know how the season's going to play out, 
What if I have two tight ends that have 95 catches? Well, that works out to be 140-some catches. That's better. That's a number one pick. That's Antonio Brown-type numbers. So, you know, again, it's value drafting. Um, In one league I did, I happen to have Gronkowski and Kelsey. You know, another league, I have Zach Ertz only. I mean, so it all depends on where these guys fall in the draft. I'm not against them. Like I said, I think the biggest mistake guys make is they always go in with a certain strategy and they don't deviate from it. And maybe that's good enough to get them to cash a check. But I don't think you can win big money being rigid in a strategy because you don't know how anyone else is going to draft or how the season's going to play out. You just don't know. You don't. And that, and that's part of the, uh, the madness and, or the maddening part of it. And also the very fun part of it too, as well as, is the unknown. I'm curious, do you have, are you trying to replace Greg Olson on any of your teams uh, this week? Uh, I have, if you had him on any of your leagues, are you looking at dropping him right now that he's been placed on IR by Carolina? And where do you, I mean, where do you start trying to replace a guy like that in your lineup? Well, you know, usually my drafting requires, or the way I draft is I usually draft two tight ends, and then I'll draft one flyer, who this year happens to be A.J. Derby, who may or may not be anything. Who knows? Um, Will I keep Greg Olson? No, I cut him. He's gone eight weeks. It's week 11. I can revisit that in week eight. Uh, If I'm in it, if I have extra money, I can go back and get him. But the roster spots, especially when you get to bye weeks, are just at a premium, and I can't can't let him sit there. Um, Where do you begin looking? Honestly, suddenly that's where I shift the strategy, where I might keep a guy, that third receiver on a team, not the third, but the backup guy, um, I might cut him and pick up another tight end, a backup tight end. You're rolling the dice. It's a lottery ticket. Let's call it what it is. It's a lottery ticket. And you hope that that guy becomes the guy. And especially, too, you think about how many tight ends are already rostered. And the problem, honestly, the problem comes into the fact of if you are drafting in an FFPC league, and this is what you kind of got to battle against, and, and hindsight's twenty twenty. But if you if you want to get an elite tight end early, that's fine. If it happens to be Olsen, well, hopefully you got a de- semi-decent backup because if he does go down, there are just not that many tight ends sitting out on the waiver wire in tight end premium leagues. And that's that's where the issue is. And I think that you do need to buy uh, buy yourself some depth at the draft. I think what you're saying, too, is getting two tight ends and then trying to get that flyer late. That that would be the strategy I would employ in uh, in, in tight end premium leagues. Like yeah, and this, year, and, and this year I even took an extra one. I took the, the second-round draft pick on the Bears, Adam Shaheen, because – you know, and that team's 0-9, you know, I don't know why they'd be playing Zach Miller. Let's see what the kid's got. And I think that's what you'll see. You know, that position's no different than a quarterback. At some point, Trubisky will begin and all these guys. So let's see what they got. You know, I'm curious. I should ask you about the Bears, too, Don. I, wh- where's the fantasy value as, as far as receivers go on that team right now? Is it, is it Kendall Wright? Is it somebody else's? Is, is there any uh, value that, that you can be looking at acquiring? In, well, he, I Bears? have. I, I could not even begin to fathom. In fact, I would say <laughs> if you ask fantasy players in Chicago, not just Bear fans, who are the starting wide receivers on the Bears, I think you'd be hard-pressed to really get the answers right. It's it's unfortunate too because you had, um, you know, Cameron Meredith, who a lot of people loved as as like a number three, number four receiver, high upside number three, number four receiver, who had just that breakout campaign last year, and then you had Kevin White, who people thought was finally, you know, he's going to have this breakout season, he's fully healthy, he goes on IR, Meredith goes on IR, you know, you're having all these issues there. Um, the guy that 
I think is interesting and is Kendall right because of his ability, uh, his experience and, and his ability to, to just simply catch the ball. I mean, this is what he's done everywhere he's gone. He's been a successful uh, receiver, and I think he can pile up points in PPR. But you're right, man. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting week to week. And Tariq Cohen, honestly, might be the best, uh, the best of the lot there. Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, if I have to rely on Mike Lennon, throwing the ball to Kendall Wright to win my league, boy, that's a challenge. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, listen, Don, this is this has been a lot of fun. One last question before uh, we let you go here. Uh, an early round, we're two weeks in, an early round stud that, that you have some red flags uh, about right now that you would actually uh, start to consider sitting, um, you know, be, because of matchups or underperformance or what have you. Uh, an early round stud there. And then a, a player that uh, is on the waiver wire in FFPC this week that you're going to take a hard look at and try to re- uh, acquire on your teams. Kind of crazy. Uh, the guys that I disliked early and I stayed away from them across the board, not a Shady McCoy guy, not a DeMarco Murray guy, and not a, a Jordan Howard guy. I, didn't, I don't have them in a league anywhere. Nowhere. Totally avoided them. Um, you know, Shady McCoy never looks easy, and he's always hurt. You know, DeMarco Murray's got mileage on him and Howard, uh, sell me another year. You know, I, I'm just not there. As far as the young guys, I'll go to my Chris Carson theory. I watched the game last night, and I'm watching this guy uh, run the ball called Paul Pierce. I guess that's his name. Um, and is it Pierce? Is for that the, his name? the Giants? Yeah. Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins, yeah. Pierce is the basketball player. Yeah, he is. Uh, I'm watching Paul Perkins, and I'm saying to myself, this guy is awful. He's just awful. So I would sit there before the guy gets a job. I would go and take a shot on like Orleans Darkwood if he's available in the league. You can probably get him really cheap. Um, see what he's got. If he blows up, you're going to need a – you, you'll have a nice player. And if he stinks, you know what? Next week you drop him and you try another ticket. It's all about uh, trying to repeat the process until you get it right. Uh, on or you could there. also go – here's a real deep flyer. Jacob Hollister, backup tight end, New England Patriots. And that's interesting, too, because, I mean, like, we haven't – I mean, I think Gronk's going to be okay, but even if he makes it through this, Don, I, maybe the next injury for him is just around the corner. Could be, and you know what? Dwayne Allen stinks. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, I hope Dwayne Allen, if you're listening, I'm sorry, man, I call it the way I see it. Um, whatever. You know, so Hollister, he's a straight-line speed guy, cannot block at all. They won't have him to block. They'll have him run fly patterns. I will uh, be sure to forward Dwayne Allen's uh, hate mail to this show to you to make sure that you take a look at it. Perfect. Don, thanks so much for uh, joining the High Stakes Lowdown this week. I certainly appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. You certainly got a, a, not just one, but two teams right up there uh, for the main event. So uh, hopefully we're talking to you again uh, after a big uh, victory this year. Good luck. Balky, man. it's always a pleasure, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast.
This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Validate 29 to 92 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.